Today I have a conversation with Dr. Anam Baig, a PGY2 at Charles R. Drew University of Medicine and Science and a wellness liaison. She and I discuss the concept of work-life balance and how it differs from wellness and what we can really do to ensure that we take proper steps to care for ourselves when we feel like we're out of balance. So welcome, Dr. Big. Thank you so much for joining us on the Training Office podcast. Um, And let's just kind of start our convo by discussing where you're training and what you'd like to discuss and why you feel like it's relevant to um, what trainees need to hear while they're going through residency. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Yasani. Um, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Um, so just briefly, uh, I am actually currently a second year psychiatry resident at Charles R. Drew University of Medicine and Science in South Los Angeles. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some wellness issues during training, especially that um, elusive concept of work-life balance Mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's important to discuss because uh, for anyone who works um, and is living (laughs) I think um, it's very important to have but especially as residents and specifically psychiatry uh, trainees um, I think it's just something that we talk a lot about you hear a lot about it um you know acgme has like modified working hours and their requirements uh, regarding this issue to prevent burnout mm-hmm. and so there's all this talk about it but i don't know like you know in in reality um practically uh how the application of that is and i think it's something that i personally at least um still struggle with and uh i just think it would be great to have a discussion about it so we can um you know bounce some ideas off of each other and uh learn new things and um learn to be well yeah absolutely all great points and you know for anybody who doesn't necessarily understand or grasp the importance of how essential work-life balance is in residency, we can just start off by creating a baseline definition of what it means to you and kind of go from there. So to you, in your opinion, what constitutes work-life balance? Yeah, great question. And uh, like you mentioned, this is uh, something that's uh, more subjective. I think everyone has their own specific definition, but Mm -hmm. to me, really, the, the concept of work-life balance is that I have my work life, which is me, um, you know, always striving, achieving to be uh, the best doctor I can be, uh, doing the best for my patients to serve them, meeting all their needs. But at the same time, uh, recognizing that I'm only human and I'm still in my training. And so I do have a lot of limitations. Um, learning to seek help uh, when needed, uh, especially as a trainee, uh, accessing my attendings and things like that. Um, and then also realizing that um, as a person, I have needs such as uh, taking breaks and not working um, nonstop uh, for hours at a time, which tends to happen sometimes, I think, especially when we have so much to do. Um, we sometimes tend to put our own physiological needs uh, on hold. Um, we often can't always eat when we'd like to or drink when we'd like to or even use the restroom when we need to um, mm-hmm. because we have so much going on. Um, and so I think for me, um, 
just being mindful of my needs and the needs of others and trying to find some kind of balance um, is my goal. And uh, I think there are many ways to approach that. So um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, share my experiences and um, what I've been doing to kind of attain that in my progress so far, how we can do better. Yeah, that would be, that's excellent. And, you know, one of the things when, when, Physicians talk about work-life balance generally. I, I think it's important to discern how it can manifest itself within the uh, within the context of residency versus a job that is maybe less cumbersome or a little bit more predictable. Like most people have, like a nine-to-five thing. For us, you know, we don't really have control over our schedules. We certainly don't have any control over um, the patients that come in and what they require out of us. And I think it's so essential. One of the things you mentioned is like, we can't eat when we want. We can't go to the bathroom sometimes because there's just so much work to do. Um, And there are like guidelines, as you mentioned, created by ACGME to ensure that there are certain regulations so that we're not being so overworked to the point where we just can't get up in the morning and come into the hospital. But, um, but, you know, one of the main reasons that it needs to be discussed is because we're so constantly strained as physicians and everybody has their own unique stories as to what, um, you know, makes them feel like they're out of balance. And I know what that means for me. Um, I can certainly tell when I, you know, maybe I won't say it verbally out loud. I still have a difficult time acknowledging that I need a break or that I need to take a step back. And I think that's just more of an ego thing more than anything else. But what's been your experience in terms of like, what, what, what are some signs for you that make you recognize that like I'm being, you know, I'm being kind of um, pushed too much or I need to take a step back? Right. So um, I think for me, uh, like I said, it's it's like a work in progress for me. Um, So I just try to take it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think really um, the main thing is to, um, just, I guess for me, just be mindful uh, of my limitations. So I know like from experience, like I have this bad habit of um, just like working for hours at a time. And uh, like, I often don't have lunch or I haven't, mm-hmm. I realized I haven't even had a sip of water all day. And um, so I'm just like at the beginning of the day and uh, like right now I'm on a break. So um, I was mindful and I reminded myself that I need to step away from my desk uh, for a minute. Um, you know, the nursing staff can always page me or call me. They can reach me at any time. Um, but I will step outside. I will take a breath of fresh air. Um, and I will try to eat something before uh, resuming my work. Um, so I think it, it's just something that, um, you know, it's, it's a stepwise process. It's something that um, will always be a work in progress. And so uh, personally for me, um, like my go-to, like for relieving any kind of stress or anxiety um, is really um, exercise or at least just going outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to just step outside if possible. Um, if I can't go outside, then at least um, away from my desk. Um, right now we wear masks. So like even breathing <laughs> is a little bit difficult. Yes. Um, 
But um, so I'll try to isolate myself. Like right now, I am sitting in my car alone, so my mask is off, and uh, I am breathing. And uh, sometimes I'll like close my eyes a little bit, uh, take a few deep breaths. Um, so deep breathing is something that, that I find really helpful, and I also recommend to my patients and anyone really. Um, I think it's it's really uh, simple, and once you train yourself to um, do it more often because it, it does require practice. Um, I think it, it goes a little um, improved breathing goes a long way in terms of um, wellness and, and stress reduction. Yeah, all great points. Um, and a lot of times we need to take our own advice. You know, the advice that we give our patients, we have a hard time uh, absorbing that advice ourselves. So um, yeah, that's the, those are excellent points. And, you know, um, I think in the, in the past, I've had guests who've talked about the way that their programs have structured wellness into the educational curriculum. And it's been a kind of a mixed um, outcome, I think, for some residents versus others. I think everybody appreciates the fact that there are wellness components to training. But what I've heard a lot of people say is that when you structure it within an educational curriculum and you require residents to partake in a wellness day or wellness exercises, a lot of times that can feel just as cumbersome, if not more, than working as they would be if there wasn't a wellness day. So have you felt that way? Have you gotten any kind of um, you know, feedback from your co-residents about that? And what do you think can be changed? Mm-hmm. And um, by uh, do you mean specifically like um, structured program activities, like a retreat for wellness? Yes, or? that's yeah, Just, that's one okay. component. I've also um, had a lot of residents tell me that there are lectures that are structured within their program to t- to teach residents about you know some of the things that you mentioned and. Um, and and a lot of them are like, you know, we already know how to do this. Like, this isn't anything new. It's just, we just don't have time. You know, we don't, we can't take a step back and take a day for ourselves and ask for a sick day when we're not feeling well. That's just not possible because then there won't be enough physicians to take care of patients. And so it's not, it, you know, the idea is appreciated, but it doesn't seem to manifest with an improvement in, um, in wellness at all for them. So I'm just wondering if you found that to be the case too. Right. And, um, great point. Excellent. Actually. Um, so, uh, that was actually one of the reasons, uh, why I thought this would be a good topic because like you mentioned, uh, other residents are also, um, feeling like, um, our programs are like giving us plenty of wellness lectures um, and tips to avoid and recognize burnout and um, things like that. But um, how applicable is it? Like how um, how much are we really able to do uh, regarding our wellness? And that's something um, my co-residents have also mentioned. Like, hey, we, we get wellness lectures like every, every year, every orientation, um, this and that. But, um, you know, what can we do? So uh, one, one uh, I think, uh, things that programs will definitely should continue doing is having um, organized uh, annual retreats. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know because of the COVID situation, that might not be possible for everyone, unfortunately, um, like to physically have uh, a retreat planned. Um, but uh, I know some programs are having virtual retreat activities, uh, games and like other bonding um, activities that have been um, enjoyable for some. Um, that's just one one option that I had heard. 
Um, but I think if programs are able to safely organize a retreat um, within even this time right now, like if there's no um, not too much traveling or at least not out of state traveling required um, in like open spaces um, near the mountains or by a lake where, um, you know, there's a lot of open space to spread out um, and gather safely. Uh, I think they should definitely do that, first of all. Um, and then, um, if not, offer uh, other kind of like virtual or other um, alternatives to having a structured retreat. Um, in addition to that, uh, I know my program has tried to uh, have uh, process groups um, throughout the year, uh, especially before our scheduled retreat. And then I think it was like semi-annually. Um, I think we, the idea was to have them um, like scheduled like regularly or quarterly, like throughout the year or as needed. Um, we're still working on that, but uh, I think it, it really just depends on, um, you know, the residents' needs. But just having that available as needed, I think is, is really helpful just to give the residents, um, you know, a designated time and place to safely um, discuss their issues and just vent and um, mm -hmm. get any kind of emotional support that they need. Um, and then finally, uh, another thing that I think is really important um, that programs can do is, um, or not programs, but like the residents themselves um, can do is uh, try to schedule like their own like mini retreats or like wellness activities. Um, for example, my co-residents and I, um, it's very fortunate we're actually a very close group and um, we do schedule activities on our own like on um, the weekends when we all um, have some free time um, just like eating out um, you know grabbing some food or like going in this case like going to a beach or a park where like where we're safely like physically distanced and, like wearing our masks but just enjoying um, each other's company and just uh, you know discussing um, our lives and what's going on and things like that so for me personally that's been very helpful um so i think uh residents can do many things on their own as well um even when uh the program like outside of what the program offers yeah excellent points i actually hadn't heard of um what you mentioned a process group um and what that entails it sounds like um, a safe place to discuss any issues that have been brought up in terms of program structure or any kind of, um, uh, you know, challenge that residents have been facing as a, as it pertains to their specific program? Is that kind of the way it's structured for you guys in your program? Yeah. So, um, actually, so just to give a little bit of context, um, my program is actually relatively new sort of. Okay. Um, so we actually, um, started, uh, about two years ago. So I'm actually the second class. Nice. Um, and so since we're still growing and developing, um, and change constantly changing, <laughs> um, we are always trying these new things. And so that's why we don't really have like, um, like structured, um, activities, really, um, other than the annual retreat, which has um, been doing pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. And then we've had a couple of process groups now, but um, these process groups were um, actually with our psychologist. Um, so it was like, you know, really meant to be like um, for emotional support and like venting and just kind of mm -hmm. like uh, stress relief during that period as part of our like the um, prelude to our retreat like to launch our retreat um, and then as needed, I believe. So we do have access to the um, 
institution psychologist for like a process group if we need later. Um, but we have also tried um, other uh, types of um, meetings. So uh, one is like a resident faculty meeting, which um, we've been doing monthly so far. And um, in it is uh, the residents. Uh, and right now, we're trying to structure it better so that um, it's like one cohort at a time. So we have our like separate meeting with um, our program director, um, our program coordinator, and uh, our associate program director from the county side because we have like this dual structure in our program. Um, and so I think it's been helpful for us to discuss really, um, you know, any kind of like uh, uh, structural um, issues within the program, like um, like didactic structure, for example, timing of didactics, um, just providing feedback on a, a variety of uh, topics, and then also um, discussing like ongoing issues that, um, you know, we're trying to improve within the program. Mm -hmm. um, some of some things which have been uh, a source of uh, stress and difficulty, uh, which we're working on. So that's another outlet for us. Um, additionally, um, I'm actually part of our program evaluation committee, so I do represent my cohort and uh, co-residents um, when I meet with the administration to bring up any kind of, um, like, any feedback about the program. So any um, program issues, what's working, what's not working, um, things in progress. Um, and so I'm really like a liaison uh, between the administration and uh, my cohort and co-residents. So that's been another outlet for us. I'm always um, checking in with my co-residents if they have any kinds of feedback. Um, that's excellent. And then furthermore, yeah, we have one more thing uh, where we have um, it's like I think it's quarterly. They're like resident, no, faculty development meetings where, um, like, resident leaders like myself, um, often get invited to uh, sit down with um, as many faculty as possible uh, for the whole institution that attends, um, as well as our chair and DIO and dean are also there, I believe. So it's more like you know the higher ups. Um, you know, getting to talk to them as well and having like smaller process groups. So um, fortunately um, in, in my program, even though we are a developing growing program, um, we are um, offered many ways to discuss our, um, our views and our giving feedback and stuff. Um, so I'm very fortunate for that. Uh, but those are just some of the things that we have been consistently um, doing so far. And I think it's been helping yeah, it that sounds really, really, um, you know, helpful for sure from both ends, from the administrative end where they're getting feedback from residents and also um, from the residents' end as well. What I've noticed is when a program becomes more established or you know has been around for X um, you know, number of years and is accredited and all of that, um, there tends to be less of a focus on feedback. Um, not just wellness in particular, but just anything. It could be, you know, feedback on rotations, attendings, et cetera, et cetera, and more of a more of a culture that's already established. And so I think um, we could all really learn from programs that are still in development or that are relatively newer um, in terms of how to ensure that the culture that's created in a program is one that's bi-directional. So one that, you know, one that residents are satisfied with and the administration is satisfied with as well. Um, do you feel like it's been helpful to be a liaison? Do you feel like that's been very um, something that is um, essential in terms of ensuring that wellness is kept a priority within your program? 
Absolutely. And um, I'm so fortunate uh, to have this opportunity and just so thankful. And um, I think it, it's something that's necessary, um, not just for uh, trainee wellness, but I think for just the program to really function and grow and move forward. Because again, um, as residents, our program um, depends on us as much as we depend on it. Right. And so um, it really, uh, like, you know, I think it's really necessary to um, develop the relationship between uh, the trainees and the, um, the administration, including the, the program director, as well as the chair. And, um, you know, we, we're all, um, we all need to work together to make this program possible and in mm -hmm. order to go forward. So I think it helps everybody. And personally, I have found it very rewarding, although of course um, it can be challenging sometimes, um, you know, when you're, uh, kind of always reporting things but um i think you know i have seen some progress on many uh of the issues that i have started working on and um i'm still working on other things but uh i really appreciate that the residents are giving me that feedback um and i, I really appreciate that uh, the administration is inviting me to all these different meetings where i can share um our our views yeah and keep working Absolutely. Do you find that whatever feedback you have to bring to the program that they listen and accommodate the changes that you guys request or is, has that been a challenge? Right. So um, I really appreciate, uh, first of all, like our program director, our coordinator and our chair have been so, so supportive of us. Um, it's very clear that, you know, they, they put residents first and they really, truly care about our wellness. And so um, it's, you know, we've we're never feeling like we're being shut out by them or anything. Um, they're always so supportive and like giving us a platform to speak our views. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like I said, some issues um, are uh, a little bit challenging and, and require more time. Um, for example, I just feel like because of um, the diversity uh, of our and uh, just the number of our clinical sites, which I think is our strength. Um, I really love that about our program and that's why I picked our program mm -hmm. um, because I, I really enjoy going all over LA and uh, treating so many different types of patients. It's great for my training and uh, it's also just very satisfying. I think just, I like diversity, so it's really, really rewarding for me. Um, but the other challenge is, um, you know, different hospitals, um, different administrations, um, like one of the hospitals we're at um, isn't, hasn't really been set up um, before to have residents, so they're still like learning and, and learning to accommodate residents right now. Um, so it's a little bit challenging um, in that aspect, but um, like I said, it's a work in progress. And uh, as long as, you know, the administration remains supportive of us and uh, invites us to um, share our views, I think um, that we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, all excellent points. That's great. I mean, I think it would be a good idea for there to be someone in a role similar to yours, maybe, you know, not necessarily in an official capacity, but an unofficial one. There are resonant groups that are created um, all the time that, you know, is really responsible for that. Um, and is there a structured way in which you do give feedback to the program and get feedback from residents? Or is it more of a conversation you have at certain, you know, settings and in, in meetings? 
Right. And actually, it's a little bit of both. Um, so we have so many outlets. Um, within my co-residence, we actually have um, WhatsApp groups set up, uh, like just an informal way for the residents to all stay in touch. So we have one for all of our cohorts. And we have like more like smaller ones designated within our cohort, just so we can like, you know, kind of keep track of what our issues are versus like program issues. Mm-hmm. And so far, it's been a great way to just like quickly reach everybody um especially to get out like um like a, a, an urgent message or um something like recently we um have been uh working on our annual um acgme program survey mm-hmm. and um of course everyone's been busy at their different sites with the different schedules so um it you know we were asked to remind all the residents to um fill out the survey as soon as possible uh so the whatsapp group was very helpful for me i, I quickly just left a message and you know everyone saw it right away and um more people were able to fill out the survey so that's been really great to get like quick feedback um and then also informally like me just um you know i I try to make myself available uh to residents always by phone by email whatever's easier to them um and also whenever i see them in person like uh usually during our hangouts especially um we always check in with each other and so um ongoing issues are typically discussed and any other like issues Mm -hmm. that i want to bring up um and then we have more formal um channels uh for example um the survey i just mentioned which is more for acgme but we also have a program like an internal um survey um and then uh our um i know our administration sends us many emails and um other surveys like to use as needed uh to provide um anonymous feedback um to the administration directly. So if we have um, any kind of issues we want to report, we can do that um, formally in writing. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I've actually never personally heard of a program that has all of that type of infrastructure specifically for wellness, but I think it'd be a great um, tool to implement and to really kind of put a lot of, make something that's very abstract and and seemingly chaotic, um, make it seem more predictable and uh, make there make there be a way where people can really listen to each other because generally, what I've seen or what I've heard in in a lot of um, uh, residencies is that it's a it's a gripe that many residents bring up and when they when it is brought to the attention of the administration it's it's usually gotten so advanced and convoluted that a lot of the complaints or the um, you know the the concerns about wellness come out in an aggressive way and in a way. Um, that can't necessarily be addressed right away. So I think having like check-in points um, at a certain point in training or at at certain points where all residents administrators are meeting is a great way to ensure that you address a problem before it gets so involved to where people just feel frustrated. Um, So that's awesome. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think honestly, I'm just really blessed and just so fortunate to have um, so many channels mm-hmm. uh, to reach uh, my program um, and higher ups. Um, it, although it is a little overwhelming sometimes because sometimes you feel like you're being redundant or you're repeating things. Um, but uh, I think that that kind of support, just having that available is really, really helpful. And I hope that um, other programs can start implementing some of these uh, strategies into air programs and i think it would be really helpful really just just to give residents as much um opportunity as possible to um comment on their experiences i think 
again, it's um, the residents and the program have to work together to move forward. And so um, in order for that to happen, uh, the resident's voice has to be heard in, in some way. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's a, another great point. Um, thank you so much for sharing that experience with us and for um, for sharing your role, it's such an important role, and one I think that will be really, really helpful for you know all programs moving forward. Specifically, particularly after you know after COVID, when things are just even more chaotic than they were before. Thank you for listening to the Training Office a podcast about mental health by trainees for trainees and a place where residents and fellows can discuss both the joys and challenges of being in training during this extraordinary time. Today, you just listened to my conversation with Dr. Anam Baig, a PGY2 and wellness liaison at Charles R. Drew University of Medicine and Science. We discuss strategies that residents and fellows can take to ensure that they take the necessary actions to care for themselves when they feel like they're out of balance. To learn more about this episode and hear more episodes of the podcast, please visit www.arugiasdhaniforapa.com.